to another episode of Carry On Up The Village. I'm Christopher, and this is The Village. This is The Misses. Hello, I'm Fiona. Thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, so we have just watched uh, the episode of The Prisoner titled The Chimes of Big Ben. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoil- oh, because that comes in at the end, doesn't it? Yeah. Were you not expecting that to be the big solution all along? What, the chains of Big Ben yeah. were going to somehow be involved? Yeah. I don't Oh, I wish I hadn't been told what it was called. Oh, was, right. Yeah. You think it was better? Yeah. Well, you were just waiting for the chains of Big Ben to... to... To answer all the questions. Although it had been mentioned before, because... Um, to give you a, to, to give you a precy, if you need it, why would you be listening to a Prisoner podcast if you hadn't seen the episode? But... You might not have seen it in a while. It kind of dictates that you have to say it. You have to... Uh, um, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, tradition dictates that one has to give a precy of the episode. So, uh, number six, befriends a and new arrival to the village, number who, eight. Who arrived the same way he did. Yes. In the mock-up room of her bedroom, uh-huh. um, disorientated. So, obviously, he was sympathetic to her. Uh-huh. Though he was... Suspicious? Not immediately nice to her. That's cause I think I think that's because he was suspicious. Maybe. But eventually she won his trust, and using the uh, abstract art that he'd built, that he'd made for the um, village art exhibition as a boat, they uh, sailed to what he thought was Poland, where they were locked in a crate and transported back to an office that he knew in London, but it turned out not to be in London. It turned out to be back in the village. And the reason that he worked that out was because he took the watch from the Polish man. And when he got to London, Big Ben struck the same time as his watch, uh, which he said it would be an hour out if the man had his watch in Poland. So, uh, but it, the times of Big Ben were mentioned before that because that was what Nadia, number eight, um that's what she wanted to hear, the yes. James of Big Ben. And she started calling him, Big Ben, mm-hmm. that's what you call me. No. <laughs> Only ironically. <laughs> Big Bill. Like a massive duck, Big Bill. Do you want, do you want to dwell on this? No, not, not necessarily. I don't think it's in your interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh, moving on then. So... What have you got to say? Well, firstly, how could he not think it was a setup when he was blatantly building a boat and they were all for him? <laughs> and nobody spotted that he was building and a boat. number two was encouraging him of it. Mm-hmm. He knows that number two is not that stupid and that he was being let to build a boat and mm-hmm. sail away. So I think um, he's a fool. I knew all along she was a plant to try and endear his trust. Did you never suspect that they might be, even when they were being loaded on the plane, and they were, you still thought it was going to turn out to be the village? Yeah. Even when I suggested this might be the last episode? Yeah. But that thought (laughs) of this being the last episode did make me rather sad. Oh. That's good. Yeah. There's more episodes to come. I know, but it made me realise how much I love this. Oh, okay. Very good. So, yes, that, uh, but yeah, he's a fool. But, I have other theories. Okay. This episode was far more about 
finding out why he resigned, rather ah. than just his general secret top secret information. Right. Okay. So, and obviously, London were involved. Well, at least two of London were involved. Yes. Uh-huh. So, but happened to be the ones that he contacted. So they couldn't have made him only contact the ones that happened to be on in on it. Uh, but I think I think the code was a general code that anybody would have. Yeah, but he knew which office he would be ending up in. Yes, that's true. That's true. So anyway, um, but so I'm you know I'm now thinking yes, it's all about him. Everything set up to try and find out his information, but they're more focused on why he resigned. And equally, there was an interesting point that number two said uh-huh. about how the village works, which side working for this side or that side uh-huh. and uh, the whole philosophy of let's integrate all the sides. Uh-huh. It's it, this village is a model for how the rest of the world should live. So, once, the, once the two sides realise they're looking in a mirror, yeah. then they'll be like the village. Yeah, so I think the idea is that some people in one side of the curtain, some people in the other side of the curtain think the whole concept of the curtain is the most eroding thing. Uh-huh. So this idea of the village where they actually combine forces to find out things that they both want to know, like why the spy resigned, uh-huh. is a way of... So it, it, there isn't one party that's in charge of this. It's like uh-huh. a, a coalition of chaos. Now, I mean, obviously, this was 50 years ago. Yes. In the intervening time, the curtain, as it was then, has fallen. And to some extent, those two sides are all chummy. But there are still secrets. There are other curtains, aren't there? That has no relevance to why they made the film the way they did. Well, it has a relevance to um, the current situation. What would happen if the whole world became the village, which is essentially, um, you know, the the West and Russia decide, let's cooperate, but then you've still got the Chinese, you've still got insurgent... Yeah, but I mean, my point that I kind of want you to acknowledge Uh here Uh is that what we learnt from this episode was... It's not one side or the other that's running oh, the village. See. They have a foot in both camps. Well, it, it, yes, it's they acknowledge shared interests, and so that's why I think there is no one number one. Ah. And I think you know the the guys from London come over and help out when they need to, mm-hmm. but the girl from Russia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Also did the same. So I, I think it, it's almost like an ultimate for the good of the spy community because him having that information that neither side know about why he resigned is killing both of them because they think there's something to be known. I see. I see. Do you think it's the whole of both sides who are on it or just certain people on both sides? You know, yeah, no, no. I know. I think it's probably just certain people on both sides. So, but they have this philosophy that if they can get this to work, it might grow to convince ah. both sides to work like this. So, from that point of view, from you know, in that um, in that aim, the village is is benign. In what aim? 
in the aim of you know bringing together both sides. Yeah. Or keeping that se- the information secret. No. The aim is to get the information from Patrick McGowan about why he resigned. Okay. And then Both what are sides are working to that aim. And then what are they going to do? They're working together in that aim. Yeah. And when they get that information, if they get that information, what are they going to do? Depends what the information is. Okay, well, I think give that... me an example of what the information could be and what they might then do about it. I don't understand what you're trying to say. I'm, 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 I'm trying to work out what in your idea, what's the point of the village beyond getting the information from Patrick McGoon? What are they going to do with that information? Well, that's two questions. What they're going to do with the information is irrelevant. Okay. The point of the village is it'll disband once they know what what uh, the information is from Patrick McGoon until there's a next pa- Patrick McGoon. Well, and then they'll come back and I see. And work so together. it's like a, a temporary thing it's a project. when they need it. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. That's what I think. All right. Good. What did you think of the new number two, Leo McKern? I kind of liked him and hated him, which is what you meant to have done, mm-hmm. I think. He was quite childlike. Okay. I think even like crossing his legs in the big egg seat. Okay. And... um Enjoying the game of it all, mm-hmm. um, but also quite sinister. Mm-hmm. But you'll be coming back to tell me of your nightmares and all that kind of thing. Whimpering, whimpering, whimpering. But um, but yeah. But okay. we're going to have a next one next time. So. Well, he didn't. He wasn't removed at the end of this. Do you think there will be the same number two for two episodes running? First time ever. Do you think, do you think that won't happen? No. Okay. I thought Leo McCann was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting you said that about um, him being like a child, because I think number six was a bit like a teenager. Yeah. In this. in the... Even the way he puts his coat on is defiant. Yes. <laughs> and the way that he was just rebelling against anything and making sort of smart remarks. Yeah. Uh, and you can kind of see why teenagers liked him because he was cocking a snoot but also, at authority as they say. But he was doing that because authority was restricting his freedom which mm-hmm. is much what teenagers feel. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a natural re- response to to that mm-hmm. being trapped feeling. But wouldn't you think that is, but why isn't why why would number six do that because he's trying to create a smoke screen for any plans that he's got to escape or or is that genuinely what he's like no i think i think you're right he's trying to create smoke screen or a mm-hmm. um distraction from what he was doing but i think the little digs he just couldn't help himself do that's mm-hmm. just natural mm-hmm. um so i think that's what that was about who won this episode well the village they didn't get to know why he resigned, though. Yeah, but if he's still in the village, they've won. Oh. Well, that, that means I can't answer that question again, unless he ever gets out of the village. Well, I'm sorry I spoiled your plans. But he won a little bit, didn't he? Because he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't tell them why he resigned, and even when the plot was revealed and he'd done all that and sat in a crate for how many hours listening to her bleating on about getting married... 
he still didn't crack. He just said, right, I'll go back and I'll try something different. It's it's an audio medium. You have to speak. Yes, but I've already told you my opinion. <laughs> okay, so, so there's no engagement with any opinions that I might have. Interesting. <laughs> but you're wrong. Alright, <laughs> okay, okay, fine. It's a good episode this week, isn't it, kids? These, are the, kids? these are the ones you like. Why these are you the... patronising to our audience? <laughs> I don't know. Why are you, why are you being so, why are you being so number six to me? <laughs> He's inspired me. <laughs> the new number two. <laughs> Actually, I, I quite like your idea that, you know, that's why there's no number one. Because neither side would decide who was number one. Mm. That's, that's quite that's And I think they have to one. take it in turns putting in number two. Oh. So that's why it has to be a new They've one. They've all been pretty British so far, haven't they? Well, you know. <laughs> they could be British, but they could still be working for Defectors. the... Defectors. Yeah. Could be Oh, all right. Very good. Very good. Um, can we get into the question of... Um, <laughs> Organise I'm I'm scared to say something. You're just gonna go, No, that's nothing to do with this. Why are you even asking that question? I don't want to think about that. Organizations that we control but who really have a lot of control over us. One of the first things that was said in this episode was your local council and it is your local council democratically elected by you, which is much like the real world or the world in which we at least live. Uh, but that they have control over so much of what we do and when we do it uh-huh. repeat the question what do you think about that you no, know? no, the question is about what are organisations well, uh, what do we think about those kind of organisations like governments oh. councils, government uh, offices even to some extent employers and private companies who you know can these days anyway um, you know dictate what, what, you, what you like and you know Things promoting your stuff on the internet that you didn't know you liked, and you say, "Oh, I quite like that." Controlling your mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is the whole reflection on what's turned out to be um, the NSA watching you element to this, because mm-hmm. obviously that predates us knowing about that. Yeah. Um, and so I do think it probably is a reflection on wider society these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably don't want to think about it too much because it's very depressing to realise <laughs> how much you don't have choice about a whole heap of your life. Mm-hmm. So um, that's maybe where the resistance is coming from. Do you think that could be a theme of him? He's trying, number six is trying to be, as he says, not a number, a free man, an individual. But he comes up against it at every turn. You're going to do this now. You're going to listen to this music now. Unless you put it in your fridge. <laughs> and even then it just goes quieter. It doesn't actually stop. And he still ends up whistling it. Yeah. Um, I... Oh, excuse me. I think it takes quite a strong will to maintain an understanding of what you truly like and who you truly are with mm-hmm. so much influence from the outside. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's the truth in our world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, self-understanding, self-knowledge, and constantly reminding yourself, this is what I like, rather than what other people tell me I like, is is kind of necessary to, to 
carry on, not lose yourself in the advertising and the peer pressure and the and what of society. The, what the organisations want you to covet and need yes. and, and what desire. You, what you should be doing mm-hmm. and uh, what people think of you. Who are they? Who are they? They are they individuals? No. No. They're the masses. They're the, they're the weaker minds. That te- that rebelling against you for not conforming with them. Oh. So we should all be individuals, should we? We should all be number six, constantly trying to rebel against it, even though it's pointless. But what would you do with your rubbish? What? Well, you know, if you didn't, if you decided I don't fancy putting my rubbish out today because I'm an individual. Yeah, but that's then they pointless. wouldn't collect it. It doesn't. You putting your rubbish out or not putting your rubbish or having it collected or not having collected doesn't impact on who you are and what you like. It's you buying the record because it's number one. It, irrelevant of whether you enjoy it or not is you losing yourself, doing it just because everyone else does. Well, putting your rubbish out because everyone else does. But it's not... Why don't we fold up all our paper and keep it? Okay, you're doing this on purpose, aren't you? No, no, I'm not. You're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm listening to what you're saying. So I'm talking about our tastes, wants, desires and individuality. Uh Uh-huh. I do not feel putting out the rubbish really feeds those factors. I don't mean to get... It's not a good example. Can we move on to an example that's better? About personal choice and tastes and enjoyment. Well, can I have one last crack at it? What about those folk who, like, fill their house with stuff that other people would throw out? Mm-hmm. You know, they've got loads of newspapers hoarders. and that kind of hoarders and that kind of thing. Yeah, but like I said, real problem hoarders that, you know, we title problem hoarders. But they don't really have, they don't have a problem, necessarily. But they don't throw things away. Mm-hmm. And they should hold on to that. Okay. All right, that's fine. That's kind of what I was wondering about. Mm-hmm. I understand what you mean about other things. But just because, what I'm saying is just because we put our bins out mm-hmm. doesn't mean we are worse than the hoarders. It's about what we want. And we want to put our bins out? Yes. Okay. Whereas I'm actually talking about things that we end up being influenced to do things we wouldn't want just off our own back mm-hmm. by outside pressures. I see. Like, we have to have the big house. Mm-hmm. Or we have to have two cars. Mm-hmm. Or we have to enjoy the fashion or the music or the whatever. Mm-hmm. Because we feel we should. That's what I'm talking about. And do, do you think that people feel more pressure of that today than they did in 1967? Obviously, you don't know what happened in 1967, but I mean, has that got worse in the modern world, even in the time that you have been I think, aware of it? Um, I think there's always been peer pressures. There's always been people needing to feel like they conform with society and be accepted and all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do think these days we get more bombarded by images and influences 24-7. So it's a lot easier to lose yourself. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot more choice of images. Yeah, but it's also a constant being yeah. hit by it. But I would say, if you look at, say, the restrictions in, what's it called, social mobility, 
back in the day. Mm-hmm. And and the need to know that you've come from I don't know, come from working class and wanting to stay feeling you had to stay, that's your roots, that's your society, that's your um place. Place. And that's where you should want you know, you should want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um that was very strong, which I think nowadays people don't have those restrictions or boundaries coming from their immediate surroundings in such a way. So I think even though I, I say nowadays we've got a lot of advertising and, and constant bombardment of information or influence, mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of other stronger sense of who who you who you should be back then. And then there was all the restrictions of not being allowed to be gay mm-hmm. and lots of other things. Women couldn't do this, that, mm-hmm. the other. So I'm not saying we've got less freedom or more freedom or it's better, or it's worse. I just think it's different. Okay. All right. That's, that's interesting. Can we lighten it? Yes, we can. We go to Patrick Moments. What were your top Patrick moments top pa- of the James of Big Ben? Well, the scene when he was pretending to be seducing number eight so that they couldn't realise what they were talking about. Oh, yes. I was equally drawn and creeped out by it. <laughs> uh, were you putting yourself in the position of number eight? Well, just his way of pretending to be flirty. Right. Suddenly doing the creepy smile mm-hmm. and and... I know he was acting serious. For the camera. Yes, mm-hmm. so he was doing, I don't know, lit up eyes and, and stuff like that. I, I, I did find it quite attractive and yet weird. <laughs> Do you think, is, is, he, is he an attractive man to you, Fiona? I think he might be. <laughs> but he's also creepy. Oh. Okay. My other Patrick moment was when he realised he wasn't in London. Uh-huh. I thought that was well done. Uh-huh. That sort of almost hysterical laughter, of course, it all falls into place now and just accepting of it and all of that. And either way, uh-huh. he just walked outside and as you say, he still didn't, he just said, be seeing you, whatever he said. Uh-huh. I just, I love that. I thought that was very... Clever of him, angry. It was also sudden. Clever, angry, acceptance, laughing. Let's do the next round of games. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. I think it was quite. A, it was quite a um, quite a stretch of acting that he had to do here, because I thought he seemed. You know, I thought he seemed like he believed he was escaping. Yes, yeah, I think he did when he was in. When he was in Poland. Um, but it was still a bit cagey, um, and, uh, but you know, you kind of, there was a difference to the way he was then, to how he's been in the village, and how he was at the end, when it all fell back into place for him. Um, I I still don't really know why he's, is he only likeable because the village is so unlikable? That's what I keep coming back to, is like, he's not a very nice man, I mean, you said it. Why is he being so horrible? 
Well, Lee didn't use those words. Why is he being so horrible to number eight when she's first arrived? Um, and he's, again, he's not a nice character in the village. But then that's because of his surroundings, maybe. Because of the situation he finds himself in. I think, but as an audience, you are seeing it from the perspective of him. So he is the, the primary character that you are following. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just like, you know, when you read a book or anything like that, you, you kind of feel the connection with, with, with the, the main person. Mm. Well, what did you think of the art exhibition? They're all number twos. I hope Leo McKern got to keep at least one of these many portraits of him. <laughs> if you were Leo McKern, which one would you have said, I want that one? Oh, I can't remember them all now. Probably oh. the tapestry. Oh, I like the, the general's um, Lewis Chessman. Oh, yeah. With his little with his face and the... the, and the scarf. Yeah, I, I, something that struck me this time was, the number twos always have a, a university scarf. Mm-hmm. But I think it's always different. And it'd be quite interesting to sort of get the idea of which university is each scarf from. Do you think it's from, like, the actor's university? Oh, well, they might not necessarily have gone to university, but possibly. Mm. Um, but I imagine they probably just got a whole lot I'm of sure university we, scarves. We might find that there's someone who's yeah, done that. Yeah, somebody's probably done that on the internet. If you've they? done that, do contact us. Yes, do let us know. If you've made a, a definitive list of the number two scarves and which universities they come from. Uh, that would be that would be most interesting. I would actually How would they contact us? They would contact us. A good, good, good link. Uh, they would contact us on at. Um, Better if you didn't fluff up this bit. Well, you know something. It's like if you really want to contact us, you're going to be able to find out. It's at prisonerpodcast <laughs> at gmail dot com or at prisonerpod on Twitter because it's different. That's why it's. <laughs> confusing to me so forgive me dear listeners that's that is the reason uh, i liked um number six has an indoor sundial in his uh oh, I, flat. Noticed that. I noticed that today it's about you know the shelf where the um where the speaker is mm-hmm. it's on it's, it's above that right. totally useless an indoor sundial i would have thought you would have thought, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you probably say, what time is it? Right, okay. I would now, say he, ma- he knows how to make a bed. It was his bed always the bed? He's got a maid. The maids come in and make his bed, don't they? Potentially. The, all right. Whoever made the bed, they know how to make it properly. Oh, okay. It was flat. <laughs> flat. Flat. Okay. Very good. Who was your favourite villager outside of number six and number two in this episode? The other well, villagers that we saw. Well, I quite like the general playing chess. Mm-hmm. Especially when, you know, he, he felt, oh, I've been trapped into almost saying... Which well, army? Oh, he's a British army badge on his hat, so it was pretty obvious what army he was in, but anyway. Um, and... I thought there was no break. There wasn't really Edward S. Well, that, neither of those two are my favourite. My favourite was number 38, the oh. woman who did the tapestry. She looked very pleased with herself. She did, didn't she? I liked her. But that's going to be a regular thing. Oh, your favourite girl. Okay, I'll, I'll Who's your favourite non-number six, number two villager in okay. this episode? Probably non-butler and non-supervisor as well, because they're in there. Supervisor was in there a lot this time, yeah, wasn't they? Was, wasn't they? <laughs> One of my favourite bits, I think, was when number two, when they were escaping. In the uh, boat? Yeah. And, um, or was it when she was swimming? But anyway, number two was with a supervisor. And he said, you better tell Post 5. Oh, well, orange alert. 
and press the button himself. And the supervisor kind of gave him a bit of a look. He's got, I do orange alert, not you. Anyway, there we go. Mm. So, any more uh, observations on uh, the chimes of Big Ben? No. So I'm glad it's not finished. Oh, good. That is good. And if I asked you who is number one, you would tell me there is no number one. That's where I'm thinking at the moment. All right. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you very much, then, for uh, for your contributions. I do love you, darling. Say, oh, I'm sure everybody can tell that very well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so you we're love ca- me, too. I, I love you, too, yes. Um, so we are carrying on, then. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, then, uh, thank you very much for listening, dear listener, and uh, join us again the next time that we... Carry on up the village. Bye-bye. Bye.